really good to see your faces here today. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My name is Reverend Roxanne Jimerson Friday, and I am so happy to be here today. I was asked to help in the month of June, and it's such an honor for me to be here, because this church looks just like our church back home in Ethity, our Father's house. It is such an honor for me to be here. In the Shoshone language, in which I am Shoshone, my husband is Northern Arapaho. And uh, in the Shoshone language, the word for father, or father of all, or the one who lives above us, is Dama Appa. And in the Arapaho language, it's Behi Ni Sanana Behi. And I know very few words in both languages, but enough to understand what the person is saying. There are many of us in both tribes who are like that. We don't have the full language, but we can understand what they're trying to say. I have a brother in Christ who teaches me the Shoshone language, and I have an uncle on the Arapaho side who teaches me the Arapaho language. Both languages are very different in dialect. When someone is asked to say a prayer in either, in either language, or they speak the language at other times, it's hard to follow when you can't understand the words, but you get the idea by what they're saying. You just, in my mind, what I do is I say my own prayers. I always envisioned a day when a rush of violent wind would suddenly open our ears to each other's language, and both the Shoshone and Arapaho words suddenly could be understood, just like it said this morning in the Gospel. But what happens when there is no understanding of what is being said? Even if you are speaking English, and you explain your story or your experience to others, getting the right words out sometimes leaves us unable to comprehend or understand the words being said. Words fail. No matter how eloquent the person is speaking or writing, words fail to convey human experience. From the emotions of a mother's first sight of a newborn, healthy child, to the feeling of being in a small boat during a storm at sea, we can sometimes capture something of an experience without being able to capture the thing itself. Like the look of a love in a dog's eyes, not everything can be put into words. The evangelist Luke finds himself at the limits of language as he writes of the Pentecost experience. He writes, when the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. The sound was like the rush of a violent wind. The tongues were as of fire. This is like when Luke wrote of Jesus' baptism as he was praying. 
the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. Not wind, not fire, not even a dove, but somebody like wind, fire, and a dove. A television news reporter covering a tornado will often record someone describing the sound as the family huddled for safety as something like a freight train roaring by. Not a freight train, but something like that. In fact, the Pentecost experience was a creative force sending that which has rippled through space and time as the Holy Spirit has remained active in the world. Before that morning, Jesus' movement was relatively small. The greatest preacher in the world sometimes had thousands on a hillside, but mostly walked and talked with a smaller group, traveling band of men and women, so that they could be all in one place. And on that 50th day after Easter, by the end of the day, the total of Christ's followers would never fit in a single room again. Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, calls Pentecost something like the Big Bang, as all Christianity radiates outward from this moment of creation. The impact can be seen in the person of Peter. Fifty days earlier, he denied he even knew Jesus. In the time since, he first huddled out of fear. But then after Jesus' is his appearance and his ascension, he worshipped with others in the temple in Jerusalem. The evidence is that he kept mum about Jesus. But after something like wind and fire, the timid disciples became bold evangelists. And as they proclaimed the good news of Jesus, people from around the world heard the gospel in their own mother tongue. And that's why I brought up, wouldn't that be nice if you heard somebody speak a different language and you can understand it? They could understand each other. The Holy Spirit reversed the confusion of the Tower of Babel through the miracle of a group of largely unschooled Galileans preaching and perfect Egyptian, Parthian, and so on. The Holy Spirit serving as a unifying force to bring separate people together. So each heard the same good news in a way she or he could best understand. Peter boldly shares a story of Jesus and tells the crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. Luke concludes, So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That morning of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came 
with such power that words could not fully convey the experience. The first thought of bees seeing and hearing the disciples was that they had been hitting cheap wine pretty hard. New wine is the cheap stuff. And these men and women were, after all, from Galilee. The crowd looked at the messengers and figured that with Gal these Galileans, the saying probably wasn't, it's five o'clock somewhere, as an excuse to start drinking. Instead, the saying must be, it's nine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Perhaps coming out more as, Lord knows with these guys, it's always nine o'clock somewhere. In our native culture, when we hold sun dances, sweats, or peyote meetings, our traditional ways help us seek visions of what might come. And sometimes it happens after these ceremonies, when you're sleeping, and you have dreams. We believe in our dreams. I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> in October of 2006, I had returned from Sacramento, California. I was on a business trip. On the Sunday before I went back to work, I had a dream of my great-grandfather, John Trujillo. He's a medicine man. He was chief of the Shoshone Sundance, who had passed away when I was about 16. <coughs> and I never knew his age. I heard he was like 114. I couldn't even believe that. But in my dream, I was in a cabin. And I was at a table, a wooden table. And he was sitting there. And when I was a young child, I was 10 years old, he would call me and say, come here, Slim, because I was a skinny 10-year-old. And he would say, come sit on my lap, tell me a story. And so I would just make up stories for him. Well, when I seen him in my dream, he it, there was ladies with their back to me. They all had braids. They had wore their dresses. And they were cooking away. And they were serving him, bringing him food. And he said, come sit down next to me. So I sat down, and I, I actually could feel the wind coming through. I could feel the breeze. It was so real. He said to me, he said, how's your grandma doing, his daughter? And I said to him, well, I just returned from Sacramento. Like that would mean something in my dream, you know. <laughs> and I said, I haven't been able to check on her yet. And as he was eating, he said, take good care of her. And I said, okay, I will, and got up. And then when I turned around, he was gone in my dream. He disappeared. And in the doorway, I could see a valley. I could see grass. And I stood by the door, and I could feel the breeze. I could feel it on my skin. And when I woke up, it was so real to me, I cried. The next morning, I cried. So when I went to work, I thought I would go see her at lunchtime. I'll wait till lunchtime, go check on her. One of my co-workers came into my office and says, how's your grandma doing? I said, you're the second person who asked me that. And he said, well, I just heard that she, she might have broke her leg. I was like, really? So I took off, went right to her house. And when I got there, she answered the door. And I said, did you, anything happen to you? Are you okay? And she said, I'm fine. 
no broken leg, nothing. I said, oh, okay, well, what a relief. So I sat her down and I told her the story my, my, about my dream because it was so fresh in my mind. And she started crying. She was so happy that he would come to me because she believed that he came to me. She teared up and she said, thank you for telling me that story. And from that point on, I was with her every day. Go see her at lunch, make sure she was fed, you know, and make sure her bills were paid. And sit down with her and let her tell me stories. And I got to know her so much better with all the stories and understand why uncle is this way or how come auntie's so mean, you know, just stuff like that. And uh, I, I got to know her so much that when she passed away, all of my aunts and uncles included me in those, in those, uh, you know, to her funeral and what to do. They looked to me because I spent so much time with her. But it was because of that dream that I had. And I heard all these stories, so I got to pass that on to other people about what, why this was this way. And what they did in Sundance, because I didn't understand everything, the whole thing about when they do Sundance. And she taught me, she, she showed me where they would come down the mountain, where they would be on horses, bringing down the center pole and hitting that pole with their whips. And I said, why? Why would they do that? Because that, that's the enemy. They were whipping that, that and they would bring it down. But it was the enemy of ourselves that we were hitting, the enemy that's within us. Native American culture has this belief that if you remember your dreams to this day, it was someone who came to you in your subconscious mind and delivered a message. And we interpret these dreams. And I believed he sent me a message. Well, let's go back to the crowd now. The crowd was on to something. And that the Holy Spirit is always ready to show you in a mighty way. When a friend calls you late one evening crying because something happened to her, or when you go with your mother or father to get biopsy results, or when a coworker learns about an accident that family member is involved in, or when a family member texts a message asking for prayers because they broke a bone when they fell, in all the times and places when you need God to be present, recall, it's nine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> and just as the Holy Spirit showed up one Pentecost, when it was time to clock in for work, so God will not leave you comfortless. The Holy Spirit will come to you in all these times and places, and so many more. There are many kinds of pain and suffering and anguish in our world, but there is but one source of healing. And we who know the Great Spirit can offer that comfort and healing to others. Before the week is out, and be, for many of you, before this day is over, you will run across someone fighting a great battle. And when you bump up against someone in need, remember this sermon and don't hold back. You don't have to get it right. Just trust the Holy Spirit to honor your good intentions.
Share Jesus' love in ways small or big. God will handle the rest. Well, the idea of asking God to use you in the week ahead might be frightening. Know that you have done this before. You have gone for a walk or sat with a friend or a co-worker in need. You may have shared a meal and offered a listening ear. Perhaps you have cut the grass for a neighbor who was sick. Each of us has been there for someone else before. The challenge here is to follow the Spirit's lead. And then those occasions will be more frequent. While you might not have thought much about it, that doesn't mean it was not deeply significant for the person you were with. This is not something we do for God, but it is God's gift to us as we are there for someone else when they need it. When and how might this happen? I have no idea. But I do know this. God came in a mighty way at 9 o'clock in the morning and on that Pentecost when the Christian church was born. And it is always 9 o'clock somewhere. Whenever the Spirit nudges you, just lean in and trust God to be in the midst of that situation. For that creative force that changed the world at Pentecost is still blowing through our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Dhamma Appa, Behimi Sanana Behim. We are so blessed that you came in to live in each of us on Pentecost when your church was born. Surely through your spirit we have died to sin and are alive to holiness. May we serve you faithfully in praise, prayer, and loving service to others as we are charged with glory from glory to glory. May we walk as children of the light in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.